Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Gather and Glean. Um, Today on the podcast, we're going to take a break from interviewing other women, and um, we're actually going to take a look at somebody in the Bible by the name of Hannah. So we've been kind of talking about waiting on the podcast for the past two interviews, and I just thought, why not (laughs) add one more to the mix on the topic of waiting? Um, Back in uh, February, I had the opportunity to teach a little message on Hannah um, from 1 Samuel, and um, it was titled, it's titled Eight Tips for When You Struggle to Wait, and so uh, we're going to look at Hannah's life and kind of just pull from her, pull some wisdom from her because, you know, she, she was waiting for a child and um, whether you're waiting for a child or marriage or a relationship or whatever it is that you're waiting for, I think that we can pull um, some wisdom from her. And so, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And um, we're probably going to read through all of the first chapter of First Samuel and just a little bit of chapter 2. So let's just get right into it. So, again, it's eight tips for when you struggle to wait. Um, the first tip is don't compare. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 through 7. It says here, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, the an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So again, um, this tip here is when you're struggling with waiting, don't compare. Now, I know this is a lot easier said than done, but it's something that we need to remind ourselves to do. Um, this, if you you know are looking at other people's relationships, um, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to stir up a lot of bitterness in your heart. Um, I really like this passage in John chapter 21 um, when it comes to comparison. Um, It's something that I go back to uh, regularly when I struggle with comparison. It's John chapter 21 verses 21 through 22. But, um, you know, before that, Jesus is talking with Peter. And this is after Peter has denied Jesus and... um, Jesus talks to to Peter and says, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. And um, Jesus goes on to to tell Peter um, the way in which he's going to die. Um, And Peter, you know, he looks over, you know, that's kind of rough (laughs) news to hear is like the way that you're going to to glorify God with your death. Um, 
he looks over and he sees John. It says it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he says, well, Jesus, what about this guy? Like, how's he going to die? And then, so I'll just read it. It's John 21, uh, verses 21 through 22. It says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So that's Peter he's talking about. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And you know, for me, that is just so powerful when it comes to comparison because like, what is it to you if that that lady over there has a relationship with a man? Like, what is that to you? Like, you follow me. I The Lord has a plan and a purpose for for your life. So you just walk in what he has for you. And, and something pretty cool that I heard, I heard someone put it this way once before. And they said, you know, if you look over and you see there's somebody over there winning, um, recognize that, you know, they're winning because God is allowing them to win. And you can rejoice in that because you can see like, God is still in the business of helping people win. And so if he can do it for that person, he can most certainly do it for you. So I I just thought that was a pretty cool way of putting it. Um, One way that I think that can help you to, you know, when you're struggling with comparing, um, sometimes you just need to take a break from social media. This is a, a big area, I think, that that stirs up a lot of comparison in our lives um, and in our hearts. Uh, we, we see all the cool, fun things that other people are doing um, or, or whatever, and, and sometimes you just need to kind of take a break from it. Just set maybe aside a week or however long you feel like you need to take a break from it I notice with myself that sometimes, especially now that I have a baby and I'm like nursing her, I I go on my phone a lot. Um, I can't really read a book as easily when I'm holding her, so I go on my phone a lot. And it has created a habit in me that like I'll just go on my phone to go like look up something on the internet for like cooking a meal. I do that a lot. <laughs> but I'll maybe I'll I'll go on my phone to do that. And I'll find myself, like, distracted by going on Instagram. And, like, that is so not good. So I have um, certain times where I'll just take a break uh, from going on there to kind of get rid of that habit. And, you know, it's it's a good thing. It's been very helpful for me. Um, and also another thing with social media, again, if there's somebody on your social media that you just are having a really difficult time with and, um, you know, just unfollow them. Like you are allowed to do that. You're allowed to unfollow them and just not put yourself in that situation to where you have to look at their stuff. So anyway, maybe it's just better to be off it anyway. (laughs) So take a break from social media and, you know, that'll, that's a good way to go. Um, and let's go on to number two. Uh, the, a tip for when you're struggling with waiting. Number two is remember that Jesus wants you. It's uh, chapter one, verse eight here. It says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? 
Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And you know, as I read this, I kept thinking about how God is like a husband to us. And, you know, I really feel like this is God's heart for us during our season of waiting, that that he would be enough for us. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says this, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He's jealous for us, and he wants all of us right now. And, you know, maybe you're not in a relationship, and so you you have a lot more energy and, and time and, like, one focus in mind to just give to the Lord and, and he wants it all. He he doesn't want you to be distracted um, with wanting other things. He wants all of your attention. And so um, letting the Lord be enough for you now, I think is so important. Um, number three is to pray when you're struggling with waiting. Verses 9 to 17, this is a little chunk of verses, so bear with me. It says, So Hannah arose after they they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Did not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. When I was waiting for Jacob, I was praying a lot. I was like constantly in prayer. And this was because I was, you know, it was on my mind a lot. And I... I found that the only way that I could really deal with all of the emotions and everything um, was to pray. Um, I prayed for him. I prayed about him. I gave him to the Lord over and over and over again. And this is something that I think is super important when you're struggling with waiting is is prayer. And um, something that was helpful for me was to journal my prayers to just write them down Um, sometimes my mind can get distracted and um, I just totally go off course but like when I'm journaling them I just notice that like at the beginning of my prayers sometimes I'm like oh lord this is so hard I don't know what you're doing like why am I struggling with this so so difficultly and then by the end of the prayers often I I found that I'd be like yes this is hard God but I know that you're good and you love me and you have a plan for my life and I can trust you and so 
that was always really cool for me to go back and read um, was how the Lord just worked through my heart during a prayer. And so I encourage you to do that. Be honest with him and just share your heart with him. I think that in our culture, we have a little bit of this like, um, I don't know, this like pressure that you have to be content, you know, without a husband. And, you know, we should always be content in the Lord. But um, it's okay to desire a husband. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You know, it's a natural desire for us to want to be married, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so you can be honest with the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, don't pretend to be content thinking like, oh, once I'm content, God will bring me a man. Um, You know, it's not a prerequisite for God to bring you a man. Um, I think I struggled with waiting up until, you know, I was in a relationship. I, I don't know that looking at myself, I don't know if I would have said I was ready, but God, you know, he said I was ready, um, in his timing, which is so crazy and amazing and wonderful. (laughs) Um, let's move on to number four, which says, give it to God and move on. Uh, verse 18 says, and she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. So, Give it to God and move on. I know it sounds kind of like rude. Hello. But, you know, lay it at Jesus' feet, you know. Give it to him and then move on. He's going to take care of it. And you're probably going to have to do this over and over and over again. But First Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Um, you know, he, he wants to take this for you. He wants to carry this burden for you. Um, I wanted to read this this quote by John Piper um, because I think that it it kind of coincides with this. It it's actually a quote on miscarriage, and it was really really encouraging for me when my husband and I miscarried our first baby. Um, but I also believe that this is kind of encouraging for um, you guys too. Waiting, it says, occasionally weep deeply over the life that you hoped would be. Grieve the losses, feel the pain, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life he's given you. You know, and that's kind of why I believe this is helpful for for people waiting as well. You know, trust God and embrace the life that he's given you. Right now, if you aren't in a relationship, you know, this is the life that God's given you. Embrace it and, and follow him with your whole heart and just trust him, you know. Okay. Next is number five. When you're struggling with waiting, trust God's timing. This is kind of like what we were going talking about a second ago. Verses 19 to 20 say this. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. 
Now, in the process, it says they're in the process of time that Hannah conceived. It doesn't really say if it was right away. It kind of makes it seem that way, but you know, it could have been a little while. Like, she might have had to wait. Whatever the case may be, it happened in God's timing. So, that that is just what we need to trust God in, that he's going to do what he's going to do in his timing. And his timing is so perfect. Um, you know, everybody is going to come, is going to have different situations in their life. While they're waiting, they're going to come across different things in their life. And, you know, that's just part of the story that God has for you. And But I did want to mention this real quick, that you know, when you are waiting and when you're searching for the right man, and I don't know if like searching is a good word because you just want to be um, walking in God's path for you and just following after him. And, um, but you know, sometimes you have to be in prayer and you have to figure out if this guy's for you and it's not easy, but some two questions I want you to ask if you are waiting and you come across a man that you think is wonderful and beautiful ask this does he love jesus people say like is he a christian make sure he's a christian but people can say that they're christians and you know not actually be one you know saying you're christian and actually loving jesus are two very different things and so i want you to ask if he loves jesus and also if he's like got the attributes of god because anybody can say they're Christian. We live in America where like a lot of people say that they're Christians. Well, actually, I'm not sure if that's still true. But anyway, <laughs> you could say you're a Christian and, and not really be one. And so looking to see if they love Jesus and if they have attributes of God. And you can go through the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and just kind of go through those and see if if they are bearing that fruit. And then number two, does he love others? That's a, you know, hopefully if number one is a yes, this will be two. But you know, if he's selfish now, he will probably be selfish in marriage as well. So questions to ask and just to keep in mind. And um, also, Side note, just because somebody is a Christian does not mean he's the man for you to marry. Um, there's a lot of Christian, there's a lot of good men out there, but just because he's a nice guy and he's a good Christian doesn't mean he's the one for you, <laughs> the one that you should be marrying. Okay, moving on to number six. It says, take advantage of the time you have now. And this is verses 21 to 23, so let's just read it. Now the man Elkanah and, his, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman said, stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, Hannah received her request from the Lord. She asked for a child and he gave it to her. However, it hindered her 
from ministry. She she couldn't go and worship the Lord as she usually did. And, you know, when the Lord does allow you to be in a relationship, your mind will be split. You will most definitely be distracted by the excitement of it all. And, you know, there's another person there uh, for you to think about other than yourself. So your, your mind is going to be split between, you know, giving God everything because you have another person there to keep in mind and to, to take care of and care about and love. And so it, it distracts you. It kind of can keep you away from doing ministry sometimes. And so taking advantage when as you're waiting, taking advantage of the time you have now, I think is so important. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 7 through 9 say this, But I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows if it's, um, that it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. So he's saying that it's better to be single because you can serve the Lord better. So while you're waiting, grow closer to Jesus and allow him to work in your heart. Let this be a time of preparation for you and let it be a time where your heart is all his. Now, there's a verse that, you know, for our little Valentine's banquet that we did back in February, our theme verse was Psalm 45:13 that says, "The king's daughter is all glorious within, her clothing is of wrought gold." And, you know, while you're waiting, you know, it's every, you know, it's all it's more than you finding the right man, but it's about becoming the right woman. I love, I love, love, love what Charles Spurgeon says about this verse. He says, Though unseen of men, her Lord sees her and commends her. It doth not yet appear what shall be, or the passage may be understood as meaning within herself. Her beauty is not outward, only or mainly. The choicest of her charms are to be found in her heart, her secret character, her inward desires. And 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, 4 says, says, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. You know, the goal here is not to wait. The goal is to live your life for Jesus. You know, I... When I was waiting for marriage, I think I became like a professional wait waiter. <laughs> like I read so many different books on the topic of waiting, you know, because it was a desire that I had in my heart. And so I read about waiting, but it's more than just like waiting because you can sit on a couch and wait for the pizza guy to come. But you could also be doing stuff while you're waiting for the pizza guy to come. You can be, you know, tidying up your house. You can be reading your Bible. You know, you can be doing things in the meantime. You don't have to be sitting on your couch doing nothing while you're waiting for the pizza guy. You have like all this time to do stuff. So that's something um, to keep in mind. Um, waiting well while you're waiting for the pizza guy. <laughs> Number seven, when you struggle with waiting, let go. 
Verses 24 to 28 say, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Ask yourself these questions. Would you be willing to go without marriage? This is huge. <laughs> Would you be willing to go without marriage? If God didn't have marriage for you, would Jesus be enough? Hannah, you know, this was a huge desire that she had was to have a child. And God gave her a child. And what did she do with him? She gave him to the Lord. Like, that is so hard to do. I have a baby, you know, I have a little girl now. And I just can't imagine, like, having her for a little while you know, until she's weaned and then giving her over, um, you know, to the church. Like that sounds so hard, but in comparison with our waiting, I want you to think about marriage and think about, you know, having a man. Would you be okay if God never gave that to you? Jesus has to be enough for us. He has to, because you getting married you being in a relationship, it's not going to fix anything. Like there's just going to be something else for you to want. Um, Psalm 23, one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need, you know, let God be enough. Because if he's not, when you get married, your spouse is not going to fulfill you. He's just not. And you're gonna, you're probably going to drive him crazy by trying to make him satisfy every bit of your heart. He, he can't do it. It's impossible. Only Jesus can satisfy your heart. And so allowing him to be enough. And you know, if right now your answer is no, that, you know, you, you couldn't go without marriage, then, you know, you just need to go before Jesus and ask him to change your heart and give it over to him. Once you surrender it to the Lord, you'll be amazed at what he can do in your life. And also, like, holding on to this desire, it's only going to, with such a firm grip, you know, it's just going to stifle what God can do in your life. So, number eight, when you struggle with waiting, praise God for his greatness. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, it says this, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. I just think that it's so amazing, you know. Hannah, you know, she, she gives her child over to the Lord, and now she's worshiping God and praising him for his greatness. And um, when we are struggling with waiting, or like there's something on our mind that is just so over-consuming, um, for example... How, this is a question I always ask, how do you get water or how do you get air out of a water bottle? The only way to get air out of a water bottle is you fill it with something else. And when you are full of your own desires, instead you need to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. 
And so filling yourself with other things. And actually, I know I just said that the only way to get air out of a water bottle is to fill it with something else, but I don't know, maybe you can crush it or something. The air will come out too, so I don't want to say such a, like, such a phrase that is not true. <laughs> but anyway, you get the point. And, you know, worshiping and praising the Lord, it's going to get your eyes off of yourself and what you feel like you're lacking, and it's going to put it back on Jesus, you know, until you can come back to that place where you can say that the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Um, and, you know, before we, we end this little little message, you guys, you know, some of you, maybe you haven't waited well. Maybe you've made a mistake, and you feel like you've sinned, and how how... You might be feeling like it's a difficult thing for you to wait now, like it's not even worth it. You know, I love what Hannah said, that she rejoices in God's salvation, that there is nobody holy like the Lord. You know, you and I, we're not like the Lord. We can't be holy like Him. There's no one besides God, but we can rejoice in His salvation. He has saved you and redeemed you, and He's he's going to work in your life. And so you just keep, keep following after him and loving him and trusting him with your life. And, and don't give up on waiting, you guys, it's so worth it. Um, so that's that. That's all I wanted to share today. Um, just a little peek at Hannah's life and eight tips from her and a little wisdom from her. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention is that um, there's a little printable that I'm going to make available on my website at baileycornell.com um, and you can find it there. It's just going to it's gonna um, have a printout of the eight tips uh, for when you're waiting or for when you uh, struggle with waiting. And so these eight tips that we just went over are going to be on there. And if you'd like to print it out, that'll be available for you um, to, to go back to and look at. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for sticking with me through this little message. Um, I hope it was an encouragement for you. And, you know, if, again, if you guys need prayer or anything, um, please feel free to go to my contact page on my website and shoot me an email. And I would love to pray with you and for you during your journey of waiting. Um, I know it can be really difficult. So yep, that's it. You guys, um, just, uh, another reminder that you guys just Always, always, always be you.